Fans of the Dynasty Invest podcast, if you feel like there was one particular episode in the back catalogue in the anthology of Dynasty Invest podcast episodes that really, really, really was massively valuable to you, feel free to share that with a fellow dental colleague who's in a similar position so their understanding of finance can be elevated and they can hit the next level of financial success in their life. Also, as well as that, if you could take two seconds to rate and review this podcast, it would mean the world to me. What that would mean is that it drives this podcast further in terms of reach so that more dentists across the world can be able to benefit from the knowledge contained therein. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Dentists Who Invest podcast. Welcome back, Dentists Who Invest Nation. We are super excited here today to welcome our good friend Bilal and recurrent character in the podcast, of course, Bilal Ahmed, back for perfect planning in business and also within dentistry. Bilal, how are you today? I'm good, my man. I'm good. I'm properly amped for this. uh, I've been looking forward to this for a little while. Yeah, we've we've talked about it. We've kind of to and fro it, and this is your forte. Bilal, isn't it, of course, is business planning. And I'm a learner just like everybody else is in this podcast because I am intrigued to understand more about business planning because I see it from the other side. Most people just set up a business and then it just, the the money comes in and then you're so embroiled in the business that you never actually take two seconds and plan it. And there's an analogy that I love, okay? You've got a piece of wood, you're chopping it with an ax, right? Yeah. What you can do is, if well, if you chop the wood enough, the ax goes blunt, okay? But if you take two seconds and sharpen the ax, you can chop more wood with less effort and that's what planning is for me. Yeah, now you hit the nail on the head for the wood with the axe. So um, you, you've absolutely nailed that. It's it's how do we sharpen the axe and how do we make sure we take the time to go sharpen our axe and how do we plan the sharpening? Because, you know, you, you, someone like yourself, James, and you're massively driven. You're going at it 100 miles an hour and, you know, you're absolutely smashing it and, and more, more to you is uh, it, it's taking the opportunity to say, well, how does this fit in with what you're trying to achieve? How does this fit in with a dentist who invests plan? Um, and, and is it is it is it on the right trajectory? Totally. Well, here's the thing. Yeah, just like I said, I was saying there, hard work is so important, but actually past a certain point, it's overrated because it's how you leverage that hard work. Yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. about the direction and the efficiency. And yeah, that's just like planning effectively. We had a short exchange before we hit record today, and you. We're on the edge of your seat to tell us about the funeral planner's story because this links in directly to what you were saying. So I'm intrigued to hear this and I'm intrigued to hear you share this with the audience. So this is, this is one of my favorite stories about business. Now, um, and, and let me set the scene for the podcast and then we'll, I'll, I'll go into the story and that will really set Absolutely. the flavor for what we're about to do. So the point today is, and this is what our fourth or fifth podcast, I, I, I sort of can't remember. Um, we've talked about so we've talked about sole trade. We've talked about limited company. We've talked about IR thirty five. Uh, I think we've talked about mortgages. So I think this is the fifth one, and it sort of works in line with everything we've discussed. So we're not going to talk about tax today. We're not. We, we'll touch on it a little bit. We're not talking about tax savings and bits like that. The bit that we are talking about is is how do you plan for it? So, in anecdotally, I I, I hear um, sort of dissatisfied, dissatisfied dentists come to us and say. I'm really upset with the tax number that I've paid this year and I wasn't expecting it. And you ask on the tax number, it's a really high tax number. Now, as we know, tax is a proportion of profit. So you must have had a very good year. Um, so if you've had a very good year, it's sort of taken this, it's taken the wind out of your sails because now you've got to give a, a big chunk of it away. But how how about if we had if you had known that number a year ago and you could have planned for that number and you'd have made peace with that number? 
And, and that, that's what we talk about today is make peace with those numbers, but see how you can use them to empower you. Now, this then leads to the funeral director story. Now, this is a so somewhat morbid subject, but it has a positive outcome. So bit consultancy work that I did. So I, I do a bit consultancy work uh, outside and I help businesses um, just sort of look at throughput, look at planning, look at efficiency. Planning is, 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 is where my career really started and where my corporate career was in terms of forecasting planning and looking at what's coming. And then the bit that we do now at Heathrow Green really is what's happened. You know, you've earned it. What, what now? Um, but then even when we look at it sort of on a month by month basis, the way we do it, it still happened. How do we plan for what's happening? And that's where the real value is. Um, and I think I use this analogy all the time is it's like going to an accountant for your tax returns. It's like going to an orthodontist for a scale and polish. You, you'll get, you'll get a good scale and polish if they do it, but it's sort of missing the point of an orthodontist. And the same thing with an accountant is getting an accountant to do your tax return. It's already done at that point. And, and I talk about my own qualification is it's three years post postgraduate. It's the, the, the last sort of five papers put you at master's level and about four papers are based on tax of 14. Um, so what, what, what are the other papers on? They're about performance management. They're about planning. They're about business advisory. They're about communicating effective strategies. And that's where the bulk of the accountancy qualification goes towards. And that's what my career was really lending towards. But we'll, we'll go into that in a second. So field director story. Great story. And I'd love to tell it. Um, is So I was doing a bit of consultancy work. And we look at the costs of a funeral directors. Now, you know, it's, it's never, never a pleasant, pleasant subject. But it's it, they make a lot of money. Um, and... It's in that situation where you really want someone to be personable with you. Um, and we were looking at how they work. So I won't name names, I won't say where in the country they are, but ultimately what they used to do is they would go out to recently bereaved, sit down, annotate everything that has happened, what you need, how you want to send your loved one loved one off and show that, you know, carry out the, the last wishes, how they want to be buried, where they want to be buried, what type of tombstone, what type of casket you want, all of that is... They would then take that information, drive back to the office, write it all up, process everything, send the contracts out, go back in person with the contracts and send it all out. They had a team of field staff that would go in and out to do this. Um, they, 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 they had more business they could see, but they couldn't generate enough people to go and see them because you know it takes a special kind of person to sit with that and it's not something that you can just recruit someone overnight to go and do. So they, they'd hit capacity. So the next bit then becomes... Um, we would look at their costs. They were like, look, we're making as much money as we are. Let, we need to reduce our costs. We were going through the cost lines. We were going through all the, 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 the bits and pieces. And we, you know, we were saving minor amounts, you know, a couple hundred quid a year, a thousand pound there. It, you know, we would definitely justify that fee. But ultimately, it wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't the right way to look at it. So we, we sort of spun it on its head. Like, Tell me more about what happens when someone goes out. Now, they go out and they, they, they spend about two hours with, with someone and then they come back. Now, in a day, they could probably get around one, maybe two people. And the field guys were booked daily. So they had to keep going out. And that's what they did. But then they'd come back, write it all up. And then they're almost duplicating their effort. So we worked out what their fee per item was. So that, so each each one made them sort of gross profit of about three grand um, before sort of overhead costs. But each case made them about three grand and they're doing about sort of 10 a week-ish um, across three, three not salespeople, but three uh, coordinators. Um, what we then worked out was they had more inbound inquiries that they could service. So, so they, look, we haven't got the time. We can't book you in for any, any later because someone's recently bereaved. It's, not, it's, it's very time sensitive. You have to either act on it or pass it on. So we looked at the sales process. And what we looked at then was that the, 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 the bottleneck in the funnel was very much the going out and the coming back. Now, what if, what if they could be sat there 
And what they were writing up was generating something they could then send back, because you can't do it in a laptop. Now, because the, the logical thing says, well, why don't you just type it up and send it off in an email? Now, put yourself in the recently bereaved shoes um, and imagine someone's there not looking at you in the eye, not taking you seriously, and they're sort of tapping with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Doesn't work, does it? I mean, I mean, I could be sat here just going, going. It doesn't work. It doesn't. I've just woken up the laptop uh, screens, so it, it, it doesn't work. So what we did was there's quite it's quite a cool bit of tech. So it, it links up to the to the iPhone. It's a digital, it's a smart pen that it works with a smart bit of paper. So you're you tick a box at the start, so it so it knows to start recording what you're what you're writing. You then write, 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 write. It then converts it into a PDF. You tick a box at the end. It converts that into a PDF and sends it back to the sends it back into the office. Now. That's now drive time that they can now use to go between appointments now because they haven't got to come back and write it all up. So it's automatically generating the, the, the contract paperwork. They, they hired an admin person to sit in the office, write it all up, and execute the contracts. Now, in the time it takes them to execute the contract, because they served a sort of a geographic area within their locality, is they could go then do sales appointment two, come back the next day with the contracts, get it all signed up. That went from 10, 10 closures a week per person to 18 closures per person. Now, we started up as a cost cutting exercise. We've just generated eight, 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 eight times 16, sorry, eight, eight times 3,000 pounds per person times three per week by, by just looking at the way they work. Now, I don't know funeral directors. I will never pretend to understand what a funeral director does. I will never pretend to sit there and say, I can tell you how to do this, what sort of casket. You shouldn't use limestone, for instance. You should, I, I don't know any of that. I don't pretend to know any of that. And, and then, you know, you always use the... Um, the Fords and Ferraris, you know, the accountants are told to shut up in Ferrari, but at the top of the tree in Ford, because that's how that's how that's how you get all the nice cup holders across the entire range. But whereas the engineers and the designers in Ferrari make sure the cup holder is customer specific and really designed for that car to serve a very specific purpose. So that and I love telling that story because it says how someone can look at your business from cold dead eyes and just 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 add a slant to it that you couldn't see. Real quick, guys, I've put together a special report for dentists entitled The Seven Costly and Potentially Disastrous Mistakes that Dentists Make Whenever It Comes to Their Finances. Most of the time, dentists are going through these issues and they don't even necessarily realize that they're happening until they have their eyes opened. And that is the purpose of this report. You can go ahead and receive your free report by heading on over to www.dentistuinvest.com forward slash podcast report. Or alternatively, you can download it using the link in the description. This report details these seven most common issues. However, most importantly, it also shows you how to fix them. I'm really looking forward to hearing your thoughts. Totally, yeah, so it's almost like tax planning slash business consultancy, and this is something that you do. Correct, so it's the business consultancy side of things that we do that says, Let's look at, let's treat dentistry like a business. Now, one of the biggest factors where, where I set up Ethel Green was to take all the corporate knowledge that I'd learned and apply it to, to small independent businesses that says, well, the first thing in stages is, is A, we do your accounts in real time throughout the year, dot, 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 you always know where you're at. So it takes the sting out of that tail that says, well, you're not waiting until December to work out what you've got to pay in, in January. You already know that number ahead of time. Make peace with it. But the, really the point of the podcast today is how do we predict that tax number 12 months even before you've even put your hands in someone's mouth wet dentistry as it were <laughs> is how do you predict that that says let, 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 let's take an analogy that says 
you know, we talk to a lot of clients who want to who want to invest. You know, this is prominent prominent prevalent for the Dentist Invest podcast, which is probably where, why we're here. Is well, how much do you want to know? How much you've got to play with? Well, why don't we plan that number? Why don't we why don't we build your investments into your strategy? Why, why don't we work out how much money you need to make to so you've got the right liquidity to invest? Because as we all know, investing has to happen after tax. And if you don't want to pay tax and you and you hate that twenty percent number, put your prices up by twenty percent, and then see what it does to your business. You know, can, can can you can you put your prices up? And what would it do to your business? How do you sit back and look at your business and say, where does my money actually come from? You know, how much how much is NHS? How much is uh, how much is Invisalign? How much is composite bonding? How much is veneers? How much am I actually generating myself? How much how much are, how, how many orders am I fulfilling? Because the practice generates most of my patient list. And how do you get to grips with all of this? Because as dentists, and you know, James, you'll be able to sort of shed some light on this. And I know my, my wife is a fantastic planner. And there's no way you guys would have got to where you are if you didn't plan almost every minutiae of your, your entire educational stages, how much time you had to dedicate to revision, how much time you had to dedicate to labs, how much time you had to dedicate to everything, how much time, how many sacrifices you had to make to get to that end result. But then you were dropped in as business owners when no one told you how to do it. <laughs> Here's the received wisdom and what you've just described, right? Make as much money as you can, ethically, of course. Wait till the tax year, wait till April the 6th. Just take 20% and put it in another account. Boom, done, corporation yeah. tax, yeah? That's, that's what most dentists do. But you, yeah. what we need to do is make that more sophisticated, 100%. And that's exactly what we're saying is, look, tax is a mathematically certainty. It's a mathematical certainty. As in, if, if your profit is x and your tax will be y there's there's sort of very little we can do with it at that point you know tax planning is a whole different thing altogether but once it's happened it's a mathematical certainty we just apply the right ratios the right bandings and so on so forth but the value when it comes from the planning side of things that says if we look at the next 12 months and really it's really useful to have this podcast at this start because we're at the, right at the start of the 22 23 tax year um the age-old debate of limited company sold trading never goes away um and then we look at you know electric cars, electric cars, and I must field probably two or three crews a week just on electric cars. And the first thing I say is don't go spend a hundred grand on a taker if you don't need to go spend a hundred grand on a taker. What if you could go make some investments that made you 800 quid passively a month and you go buy a 911 that you actually want? You know, the, but as is it to give you financial advice, you need to come to the table with what you want to do. And we can then show you how to do it. So we're not here to sell you a product. We're not here to do anything like that. But I think this is where Treat yourselves as a business that says, would you invest in you? Would you invest in your business? Would you invest in James Martin Limited? Um, and then you read it like you would any sort of share deck or, or any sort of corporate deck that goes out looking for investment. You know, you've had Mediform decks go out recently. Um, how did you read it? How did you perceive that? You know, where's your deck? You know, what, 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 how, how do you, and I don't mean you personally, James, I mean, the sort of the, 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 the listener today is, is what's your deck? What would your deck look like? How do you describe your business? Uh, how do you describe your cash flow? How do you describe every, everything that goes in and around it? Now, I think we deal with a lot of practices. With practices, it's 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 really useful because we do something called a bridging exercise with practices. Where a bridging exercise is, is a profit and loss doesn't tell you the whole story. Have you heard the phrase cash is king? It's because everything has to link back to the bank account because that's your true measure. You know, you, you can create all these artificial profits and bits and pieces through the books by booking God knows what, but cash is king. So we reconcile everything back to the bank account that says, if your profit shows a hundred grand, but you've only got 40 grand in the bank account, where's the other 60K? 
it must have gone somewhere. So I'll give you an idea, you know, if you're if you're paying, if you've set up your squat practice and it's you know you've spent two hundred fifty grand and you've borrowed two hundred fifty grand to do that, and you've got two hundred fifty grand worth of loan repayments to make. Now the P and is only going to show you the interest. Where's the capital element on? It's good. It, it, it come out. It come out of the bank account, but it won't be on the P and L. So how do we forecast those cash payments? That says you need to know how much cash you need to have on deck to be able to run your business. And then reviewing the P and L monthly is it, again. It's after the fact. It's happened. How do you predict what's happening? You see, I empathise so much with dentists and business owners because it's a question of bandwidth. Right. And there's just so many flipping things going on. You're so focused on that that these tiny little tweaks that could literally save you a fortune. You're so busy chopping the act, chopping the wood with the blunt axe. And I've been there. Everybody's been there. Everybody who owns a business business knows that. But you'll also know because of the amount of money that's floating around, if you just tweak it like two, three things just like that, you can unlock huge sums of money. And also you can plan more effectively for your goals. Bilal, you mentioned you had a bit of corporate experience earlier. Can you speak a little bit more on that? I'm interested to hear. And indeed, so my, my my path to practice ownership is a bit different. So I always knew I wanted to have my own practice. So I became an accountant to be able to have these conversations. I, I always knew this is what I wanted to do. It's probably I wasn't probably <laughs> the most exciting, most kids dream, dream of race car driving. I dreamt to become an accountant. Mm-hmm. So I, I love it. And you know, this is exactly what I, I didn't fall into it by accident. I pursued this. Um, and then I was quite... I was quite specific about the type of jobs that I took to get me to this point because I said, look, if it doesn't get me to that end goal, I'm not doing it. Now, if it doesn't get me the right experience, I'm not doing it. Um, I was quite, I was quite, I mean, I did, um, I did my grad scheme at Phones for You where um, sort of 10 months in an IT department looking at um, a massive multi-billion pound company, looking at their IT spend, how they, how, how they allocate expenditure, how they track that expenditure. How do we make sure that expenditure is on track? If the project's now changed scope, how do we reevaluate the costings? Uh, because you know business is dynamic. You know we, budgets are only as good as the time you invest in them, but they should never be the the be all and end all. It's just a guideline. From there, I went on to National Express, so the big transport company, and I, I sat in a team of six that looked after two point two billion pounds worth of revenue globally. Now, the only way you could do that is by doing a little and often by looking at the plan ahead. And one of the things I did within that is manage a twelve million pound IT budget for the entire group. So everything that was tech based within the entire global enterprise, and I'm talking. Bus network out in Spain, bus network in Bahrain, rail network out in Germany, rail network in London, the little yellow American school buses in North America, all of that. Um, and then we was the IT for all of that was all led by the head office of Birmingham, and I did the finances for all that. So we would sit down by supplier by contract time at the start of the year that said we want we've our overhead spend is twelve million pounds. Therefore, we've got twelve million pounds to reallocate all all back out to the business units. How do we charge that back? What's a fair measure to charge that back? Because this needs to be a net null budget. And on top of that, we know we've got four million pounds worth of investment to make this year. How do we allocate that to where it needs to get to? How do we make sure we've got the right tax breaks, tax advantages? Where do we put it in the accounts? How do we charge that back? Does it deliver what the business what, what the business actually wants to achieve? And we had to do that for every single business unit. And at each business unit, there's we evaluated them and actually said, "This is your, your budget isn't robust enough. You haven't planned for any eventualities." Then we just did some sensitivity on it. You know, worst case scenario, best case scenario, where's the midline? And then with any mature business you always get squeezed around September time that says, cut the budget. So by cutting the budget, the way we'd set the budget up is we'd, we'd understand what the levers are. By understanding the levers that says, to keep the lights on, what, what's it, what does it cost me? Where does it cost me to deliver a blue sky budget? What's in between? 
So if, if stuff isn't going the way we want it to go, where can we switch things off? And, but if it is going the way we want it to, how do we invest more? So you need to understand these facets. And then after that, um, I looked after 130 million pound in the Northwest for a, log- for a logistics company. You can find all this on my LinkedIn. Uh, so it's all real. So I'm just making this up at the top of my head. Is I looked after 130 million pound of, of spend in, in the Northwest for a logistics company where we looked at purely what was coming. Uh, that we looked at what was coming that said, we know we've got Christmas coming, Mother's Day coming, we've got, you know, Liverpool kit sales drop coming, we've got Nike sales coming, we've got we've got Christmas coming, we've got Black Friday coming. How do you plan? You've got the right people in the right place at the right time. So there's a story I use about uh, working with some of the shift managers. So the way the way they worked out their costs was distilled down to not 130 million pounds, it's too big a number to, to, to sort of fathom, is what does it cost to service every stop? So so when 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 the next parcel turns up at your doorstep, what does it cost me to service that parcel? So we so we would distill that down to what do I pay the driver? What does it cost to move through the warehouse? What does it cost to pay the driver to go and deliver to go and deliver it? What does it cost in fuel? What does it cost in van costs, insurance costs? All of that has to build into that one singular number, that key that KPI, key performance indicator that says, and then off that. One of the things I then looked at was was how the shift managers were executing who does what. Now, the company has spent £20 million on a a, a sophisticated bit of software, fantastic bit of software. But any tool is only as good as how how well you train the user to use it. Now, the company hadn't invested enough money into doing that. So we we as finance people understood it because, again, I I love this kind of stuff. If something new comes out, a new gadget, I want to to understand how it works. I want to break it apart. I want to see what, what brings it all together. That's why I love it. Is I sat down with the shift managers and said, look, you're, you're manipulating too many things because you think you know better. Now, you probably do know better, but the system has factored in 100,000 variables where you, you're only factoring in 10. Now, the one that you need is if that road's closed, you know it's closed and therefore you rabbit run, that, that's okay. But let the system do what it's doing because that's what the company's been paid to do. Your job is to make sure that system is used effectively. So we sort of sat back and said, let the system do it. So the system did it and it was, it was a terrible day, but it's okay. It's a day. It's one time. Zoom out. It's fine. Second day, so once, so what they were doing was they'd get up at getting at six in the morning, trying to flick, 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 everything to get out. But so, but then anything that didn't go out, they didn't have to jump in a van themselves and go and deliver. So when are we, when did you have the chance to go recover or recap how that morning went? It, you haven't because you're constantly in a perpetual cycle of chasing your tail. So we let the first day happen, and then they were all off the floor by 10, 10 a.m. So we sat down in a meeting room for two hours and said, why, what, what could you have done differently? So what they did was they said, well, this postcode shouldn't go there. This postcode should go to that driver. Right, put it in the system now that says that postcode goes to that driver and then do it again tomorrow. Then do it again tomorrow. Then do it again tomorrow. Then do it across the seven days of that week. We managed to strip out seven pence per, per, per stop. Now, seven pence doesn't sound that much. Extrapolate seven, cross, seven pence across 45,000 parcels a week by 52, by 52 weeks. Then it becomes a large sum of money. Yeah. So... You're looking at marginal gains, marginal gains, but you need the chance to review your work. And then this is where the business side of thing comes into it. But the exact analogy that, sorry, were you finished just then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The exact analogy there is, is, you know, the person, the reason, when you own a business, you've effectively get paid to create a system, all right? Now, the job of the business is to make as little input as possible equal as much output. Okay, but yeah. the thing about it is, we're too busy focusing at either end, either the input 
or the output. Yeah. But it's the system that doesn't, we don't spend enough time on. I see that all the flipping time. And actually, if you just took a day out, tweak the system, you can find you can work less and own more or earn more. Sorry. And that's true for so many flipping businesses, honestly. And it's actually important to ring fence that time, set it aside and just have some thinking time, whether that's for your dental practice or whether that's getting somebody involved to plan taxes. What it's, that is, yeah, the, the day someone explained a business, to me, like that was the day that I saw what I should be spending my time on, not the flipping chop, to use the axe analogy, which I love, the chop in the wood with the blunt axe. It's about the axe being as sharp as possible. And that, exactly that. And then if we sort of bring this back right home and talk about dentistry. So if you're, if you're an associate dentist today, and let's say, let's say you're fully NHS. You know, we're not talking about sole trader. We're not talking about limited company. We're not talking about electric cars. We're not talking about any of that. You're, you're an NHS dentist today. And now you know you want to go spend ten thousand pound on courses. Now we, I see, and we, we've got hundreds of clients. So James, you can say, no, that, the, uh, this exact thing. This is the madness, right? What you're about to describe, you know, is really good. Everybody should spend money on their education. But I, I firmly believe if someone took like even a tenth of that, the, the point of spending more money on education. One of the points of spending more money on education is that you earn more and you generate more. Are you with me? Yeah, that's that's the point. But. People will do that, yet not spend any time focusing on the business side of things and how they can tweak that and that to become more efficient. Yeah. So there's this huge budget for education, but then nothing for the business, which I guess is where you're going with this, basically. Exactly. So, you know, I get to see how much people are spending on that. And I'm not going to give the number, but it, but it is, you know, it's a, it's a fair proportion of their income, more than any other, more than any other industry, to be fair, is... No one taught you how to be a business and you've gone and pursued academic pursuits because that's what, what's got you to this position today. You know, you, you're all academic and, you know, fair play to you. I couldn't do it. Um, but the idea being, why did you do that course? Did you do it because you thought it was the right thing to do? But how did it fit into your plan? How, 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 how are you going to monetize the skills on the back of it? So if, if, if you were going to go spend five grand on a course, now five, is five grand on a course expensive? Not, not for a dental course. It depends is the answer. If it's going to generate you 20 grand, then it's cheap. If, if you're going to do the course and do nothing with it, then, it, then it's very expensive. But it's, it's, that's, that's the approach you should take to everything you're spending. So if you look at it from two perspectives, we look at the income and the expenditure. Let's start with the expenditure. Is, is what do you know you're going to, you know, what can you forecast over the next 12 months of what your spend is going to be? Now, how much are you going to spend on your mobile phone? How much are you going to spend on your broadband? How much are you going to spend on kicking your office out? How much are you going to spend on subscription fees? How many uh, membership fees, indemnity, um, training courses? And then with training courses, we distill further. What about accommodation? What about mileage? How are you going to get there? What are you going to eat when you're there? You can predict all these numbers. But now you've got your costs. Now we look at our revenue. What are we going to make? How are we going to justify those costs? How much do I want to walk away with? So let's let, let's sort of distill this down further into something that's going to be sort of at the forefront of most people's minds is, is you know they want to buy a property they, they want to get into their first home so they might have spoken to someone like Vinay that says and speak to Vinay early because you know it'll help you and it helps him and it helps helps everyone plan is if you need to be if you if your if the house of your dreams is seven hundred grand for instance and then you're just going to work hell for leather and work six days a week and burn yourself out thinking you need to earn the most amount of money to get that 600 grand or the 500 grand mortgage or whatever it needs to be. But, but the answer might be easier than that. That says, well, let's work backwards from that. If, you, if your dream home is 700 grand, let's work backwards from that. Then it'll tell you what your income needs to be. 
then they'll tell you what your deposit needs to be. So you know how much you need to take out your business. 12 months ahead of time, do you go limited to the sole trader then? Because trying to do it at the end, you'll jeopardize your business to get the mortgage. We discussed that in the last podcast. Well, if you knew in 18 months' time, 24 months' time, you're going to be buying a house and you want the most max, maximum amount of capital, maybe go limited now. You know, it, but it depends. The idea then being, you now know how much you need to be making per week, per day, per hour. And if it isn't worth your time per hour, don't do it. Because you'll sell yourself short that says, you might have missed this hour at, at 200 pounds. But you, but you didn't, you didn't cheapen yourself by doing it for thirty quid, or, or you did. Or you, but, but then you're chasing that pound, then, and that's when you start trade. You're devaluing yourself. Yeah, well, I think that most people make the mistake of thinking that it's all about focusing on capital appreciation, just fully going for that. Do you know what I mean? And just getting as much money as you can, you know. And as you say, working. And this is coming from a professed person who used to work six days a week, sometimes seven if he could, you know what I mean? And I look back on that and I think that's utter madness knowing what I know now, but yeah. that's, there's so many people caught in that cycle. And I think that a lot of people think input, output, input X hours, get Y output. Actually it's about the process or the gap between those two things. And the th- like I say, hard work coming from someone who loves to, work hard you know and i feel like we've only got so much time on this earth to really 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 create something significant and leave her legacy i still i still know that it's not solely about that here's the thing you can go out and dig a hole for 10 hours in your garden you've done 10 hours work right (laughs) and you feel really tired but have you spent is that is that time that's well spent you know you've done the 10 hours worth of work you've got 10 hours input and 10 hours output it's the system in between it that makes it a lever that leverages it and that's what we're thinking about that's what we're talking about leverage spend time thinking about leverage not just solely about hard work and this business planning is another form of leverage you're absolutely right and it it doesn't have to come down to money because let's use that 10 hours to build a hole maybe your goal for this year was to dig a hole you know, maybe your goal was to dig a hole and you just wanted to see if you could do it. And now you've built 10 hours into your, into your month that you wouldn't ha- have had if you didn't plan for it. Now, you know, it, it personal endeavor, because it doesn't always have to be about money. I think this is the bit that we, we sometimes get sidetracked with, especially about these podcasts. It's the, the, the ability to plan helps you in so many other areas. It says, if you know, you want to, and, and I use, um, you know, we use sort of uh, maternity benefits as an example when we're doing the calculations for limited company sole trade. And one of the examples I use is we had a client who was earning about 150 grand a year, split between 50 grand NHS, 100 grand private, started off the conversation by saying she wanted to go hybrid. So leave the 50 NHS as it was, and then 100 private through the limited company. But by working through the numbers of when she was planning to have kids, it made sense to do the whole thing as private, because she didn't care about the NHS pension, she only cared about the pension scheme. No, the maternity pension, she didn't care about the pension scheme. So, and it only, this is a very specific example, don't sort of take this verbatim, is we worked out for her, she could save nearly 30,000 pound a year, 27,000 pound a year tax, which over two years was 54 grand, which is better than the maternity pay she would have received and the tax offsets against everything else. There's quite a lot that goes into this, but then the idea being is, what are you trying to achieve? What are you trying to get at, you know? Uh, when people talk about property investing, fine. How many properties do you want to invest in? And, uh, 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 uh. Well, then you haven't thought about property investing well enough. Um, you know, it, it's something that you're sort of regurgitating because every other dentist is investing in property. But then how much time do you need to invest in property investing? How many? Have you factored in the time it takes to do the viewings? 
Um, how, how much time have you factored into your day that says if you currently work five days a week and you want to buy two properties this year, well, then you can't work five days a week and invest in two properties. Where are you building the slack in? And then when you do get the property and it's a complete revamp, how are you doing it? Are you going to get someone else to do it? Are you going to site manage it yourself? Um, and if you're going to do it yourself, fine, you need to take a month off work now. And if you're making 15, 20 grand a month, is you taking off a month worth of 20 grand? Are you going to pay someone five grand to manage a project for you? What's it worth to you? And then, but if you plan all of this, you work it all out. And then from all of that, putting every single permutation in, we know where the levers are. And then you know where to pull the levers. And when we, when we build um, a, a plan for someone, we build in the levers that we call them the variables that says, these are your fixed bits, don't change these. These are the bits, your sensitivity that says, you know, if, if my cost base goes up by 10%, if my practice manager starts taking a bigger cut, what does my profitability look like? So on and so forth. But then the best thing you can have for yourself now is if you're on a 40% private split and you've got a budget plan that says you're going to make your principal 100 grand this year, go negotiate a better split because you've got the numbers there. I love it. I suppose there might be a lot of people listening to this who are thinking, well, that's all well and good, Bilal, but how long does it actually take to make this plan? You know what I mean? How long, how long is this like an hour, like a day or? So we've got a free template that we, we, we give away. Um, you know, James, you know, I'm a big believer of just giving stuff away and hopefully it flitters back to you. Yeah, in the love, or 100%. Yeah. The more and honestly, right, just to go off on a small tangent here, the thing about the internet is the more love that you give away and the better the quality of the content you give away, the more that it is reflected back onto you. And too many people make the mistake of charging at the front end Whereas actually the front end is where you want to get as much exposure as you possibly can. You know, I was listening to a very interesting conversation about this the other day, you know, baseball. Okay. Massive, obviously at one point, America's, America's hobby, America's main sport. Yeah. They made a decision five years ago that every single piece of content they have, which depicts baseball, they're going to charge people for it. That's why there's no baseball videos on YouTube. Okay. If you look at the viewer ratings, okay. Of baseball, it's like, slipped way down even below soccer at the minute okay in america because there's a complete constriction of how much content they're putting out there and therefore how relevant they are this is how people work you have to be constantly relevant you have to have your own show but yeah a little bit of a tangent there well and that goes for anybody you know content creation is one of my passions and anybody out there who is either got a personal brand or a practice brand content 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 which is just exactly on the button of what, what you're about to say, Bilal. So, what, uh, yeah, just uh, it's a nice segue. So, on, on that, there's there, there comes a bit of bit of a challenge. So, so, how long does it take to build a plan? Well, I think I want to sort of take a step back before we discuss that. Is if you've engaged an accountant and your fee, you're paying whatever you're paying for, and you want them to do this exercise, is there's always some reticence, especially with accountants. Generally, is we're terrible at charging for our time. Is that it then sets a bit of bad blood that says, if you want more, just make it clear to your account you're prepared to pay for it because then they'll they'll bend over backwards to do the work for you. They will. They'll find the time to do it for you. If you if it, we we get it sometimes as well, where people just expect it for free, and you know if 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 it, because but it takes our time. So it's like you know the analogy that, that again that I use for this is if you're going to see your dentist for Invisalign and then you want them to do composite veneers and then you want them to do bonding and then you want them to do whitening, well you'd expect to charge for that. And I think is is from the dentist's perspective is understand what you want out of it, make that clear to the person you go to, and then come up with an, with, with an arrangement that makes sense. Now, how we work is we give you the download for free that says, take the download, build it out. You might be able to work with it yourself. If you want to then book in and go through it with us, 
We do charge for the hour, but then we discuss that well before. We, you'll never get a sneaky invoice from us. It's unethical. We do not work that way. But and, and then the same token is if if we can't do much with it, we just don't charge you for it because unless I can't unless I can demonstrate value, then I'll then I'll charge you for the time because if I'm going to show you how to make ten grand, then it kind of has to be a bit of a trade off somewhere. And the way we operate has always been relationship based. Is from from our perspective is we we win if you win, and we're we're, we're incentivized for you to win. We're not here to try and take sort of fees off you. And you know, our, our entire client base has probably listened to this, knows the way we work. You know, we're, we're very generous with our time. And we would rather deal with one person for 10 engagements than 10, 10 people for one engagement. Because if you now start uncovering opportunities, it works. It's a win-win. Now, in terms of how long it takes, the ball's in your court on that one. So generally, yeah, you, could, you could knock out a very robust plan in an hour. We've got the template already built. We know, we know what it looks like. The way we approach it, and again, this is all for free. You can have it, is... The way we approach it is is distill your your dentistry down to the types of dentistry you you perform. So I don't, you know, if you're going to just approach it and say I do five grand NHS, I do five grand private, you're never going to get anywhere with it. If you're going to do it as as NHS, put in how much NHS you do and put in how many hours you do for that, and work out what your hourly rates for your NHS. And then when you do your private, put in your hours for that and work out what your private rate is per hour. Then break down your private further. How much Invisalign are you doing? And how much and how, how, how much facial aesthetics are you doing? Facial aesthetics, break it down further. How many non-surgical rhinoplasties are you doing? Because when you start looking at where your money is, and then you can start seeing how your marketing is then dictated on the back of it. Because once you see where your money is, you might still want to do NHS because that speaks to the empathetic nature of you want to do that because this is why you got into dentistry. It wasn't all about money, which is fine. It's it, it, it's it, it's 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 uh, applaudable. Is if that's what you want to do, then fine, do it. But if you want to then do the monetary side of things on the back of it for your private, what makes you the most money? Then that dictates your social media marketing, which are all so it's, it's very synergistic. And this, I, I hate using business word. Is it's there's 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 the positive correlation between the cause and effect that says if you want to then if you can see, you know, non-surgical rhinoplasty is your thing, and that's the bit you've got a passion for. How do you now start dictating your marketing to that? Which then says. If you can start dictating your marketing to that, how do you then set up a business in the back of it? How do you now set up, how do you set your pricing up? Because the way you then should price it, and I think everyone's guilty of this, is we price based on what we think we want out of it. But the way you should price it is if you were the business owner and there's an associate performing the activity. So if you think charging 500 quid is enough for a non-surgical rhinoplasty because that's what you get for half of it, you probably need to charge a grand because when, when you scale up and you're the best non-surgical rhinoplasty in the first plastic surgeon in the country, is you can't just be paying the dentist five hundred pounds to do that. What are you going to make out of it? Because you've got overhead costs, and this goes back to planning again. That says, you know, what does it cost to run your building, run your clinic, run your receptionist, run your investment, run your advertising, run your marketing? That then dictates your pricing. So we can always work backwards, but again, it just sort of all comes back to planning, and you have to build that in across the way. Boom, which links in very neatly with the title of this podcast: Perfect Planning. Bilal, we are just about to close proceedings for today. Is there anything you'd like to say in conclusion, just to wrap up? So just to wrap up, everyone, I hope, hopefully everyone knows where we are, but uh, come follow us on LinkedIn. Um, LinkedIn, it's me, myself, the, the, it's, it's being built at the moment, but we're on Facebook and definitely on Instagram. Instagram is where most of the action happens. It's at Heath Hill Green. Feel free to show some love, drop in, show some love on on, on, uh, on our content and got any questions on this, um, drop me a message. Uh, the team all, all has access to the inbox. We're happy to talk to you. The, the other bit then is our website's currently being built. And I've been saying that for months, but it, it, we, we've, we've, we've taken a step back and completely redone this because 
giving away content is a big part of what we want to do. So we're, we're, we're creating a free download section. So, so, so a knowledge bank on our website where people start downloading stuff. So I think we're a couple of weeks out from the first bit where people can start downloading resources. But if you want it, drop me a line. We'll, we'll create a resource where you can drop your email address in and we'll send it across to you so you've got it. And then you can start planning. And then we, there'll be a link within that planning sheet that says books and time and books and time and we'll happily review it with it. Websites take so long, don't they? I learned that firsthand, especially if you want to do them correctly. Like you can just throw anything up. But I'm launching a new website yeah. at the minute as well, Dentistry Invest, completely revamped. And someone asked me at the very start, how long do you think it'll take, James? And I'm like, oh, maybe two weeks tops, something like that. And here we are, four months later, five months later, still putting the finishing touches in it. But it's because we're spending that time to curate it so that it's of a really high quality when it does come out. So I fully empathize with you on that one. Bilal, you've been so generous with your time today. Always good to see you, my friend. We shall catch up very soon. If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit follow or subscribe so you can stay up to date with information on new podcasts which are released weekly. Please also feel free to leave a positive review so others can learn about this podcast and benefit from it. I would also encourage any fans of the podcast to sign up to the free Facebook community from which the podcast originated. Please search Dentists Who Invest on Facebook and hit join to become part of a community of thousands of other dentists interested in improving their finances, well-being and investing knowledge. Looking forward to seeing you on there.